All right, folks, welcome back. This is Rams Edge, hosted by yours truly, Jake Ellenbogen. And uh, we got a lot to talk about today because, well, if you're new here or if you haven't really been following, well, Logan Bruss, the third-round pick from this draft for the Los Angeles Rams, did tear his ACL and MCL. You know, you had Daniel Hardy uh, sprained his ankle, and he's going to be out for a minute. And then Rams cut Kendall Bland in a surprise move. So a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff maybe we didn't really see coming, especially the Blanton thing. We knew that potentially Logan Bruss could have an injury, but didn't know how bad it could be. So that obviously wasn't ideal. A lot of stuff. Anybody at any point, if you want to call in, you can do that. We'll talk. Um, but appreciate everyone being here. And, uh, you know, be sure to uh, tweet this out. Let people know, you know, your thoughts. But, um, you know, again, any point you can call in. But, yeah, I just think, you know, looking at this as a whole, you know, I think that they're obviously they're, they're moves that maybe there were tougher moves if you're looking at the, the good side of this. And, obviously, I never want to say an injury is a good thing, but, it does make it a little bit easier for the Rams to keep certain players and whatnot. Uh, makes the cuts a little bit easier. You know, I think what you're looking at with the offensive line is now probably A.J. R. Curry, the, the seventh-round uh, tackle, might make it. Um, I had him on the bubble, uh, missing it, actually, entirely. But, yeah, things will definitely shape up, I think. Things are going to, you know, come together. Um, looking at Logan Bruss, this, this absolutely sucks. This is a guy that, you know, he was drafted – that's the first guy in this, you know, draft class for the Rams essentially. And now he's going to miss the entire season. So that puts his development behind a year. He's basically a rookie next year. And you never want to see that for a guy, you know, you never want to see it for a young player or any player for that matter. So, um, you know, that's, that's really unfortunate. And I, I feel for him. Um, in addition to that, you know, you talk about Daniel Hardy getting hurt and that, that really sucks. Because, you know, the Rams have already had issues with, you know, injuries at that position. You know, you have Leonard Floyd dealing with stuff going on in camp. And then on top of that, you know, you had, uh, you know, Chris Garrett coming away with an injury, soft tissue injury. On top of that, you know, you talk about those two things. You talk about last year's pectoral injury that sidelined Justin Hollins for almost the entire season. I mean, it's just one of those things, man, you know, where – it's a lot of, you know, injury and stuff to deal with. And so, you know, for that reason, that's uh, that's something to, to keep in mind. And that's why the Hardy thing is such a blow. Um, I do think they're going to keep one of the three guys that were fighting for a roster spot that I don't think we're going to make the roster without an injury, but now could make the roster. Um, you know, I think first off, you look at Benton Whitley out of Holy Cross and the way he's played in preseason, he's definitely made a name for himself there. Uh, but in addition to that, I think not just Whitley, but the Thomas, you know, the brother from another mother, Thomas brothers, the Keir Thomas and Braden Thomas combination, guys that just meet each other in the backfield, uh, you know, going after the quarterback. They've had really nice preseasons as well. Um, my point, I think all three of them need to stay in the Rams, uh, you know, their, their organization. They need to stay in that, that Rams facility and not let them go. Um, you know, hopefully see them in preseason and whatnot, and, and then, uh, you know, practice squad. But I think it's going to be one of those three guys that are kept um, because you got, you got to have the depth. You know, they can't go into the, the year with four outside linebackers. That's not going to be ideal. That's not going to be conducive to winning football. 
then you're an injury away from having three, and then an injury away from just having your starters, and you're not able to really sub. So that's that's going to be an issue. So I do think they need to keep another. Um, and then with Blanton, I understand people are like, man, why the hell would they cut Blanton? Like, I have an issue with that. And I, I get that. Um, you know, but I'll say this. You know, they cut Blanton, and I was surprised by it, but sometimes you really have to make – you know, you have to make the tough decision and, you know, you got to give something to get something. And really what it comes down to is as much as it pained me to see Blanton get cut, a guy that, you know, I don't think the Rams beat the 49ers in the NFC title game without Blanton. Um, you know, to, to cut a guy like that, you know, it's tough, but it also reminds you, you know, how tough it is when you're looking at the preseason and these guys emerge. And, you know, when you have a guy like, you know, Lance McCutcheon come out of nowhere, I'm sure the Rams kind of knew what they had in him, but... I don't know if they expected what they got out of him in the preseason. Like he's been one of the best performers in preseason, regardless of position. So to keep that in mind, you know, that that's kind of a big deal in my opinion. And so, um, you know, I think they are really trying everything they can to get him on the roster. I think he will be on the roster, no doubt about it. And, you know, so for that reason, you know, I think, you know, obviously again, it's, it's painful to see Blanton go, but you have to imagine one, this is a huge endorsement. Uh, for Bryson Hopkins and his emergence and his development. Uh, number two, it probably speaks volume to the fact that, you know, Lance McCutcheon definitely made the roster. They're going to keep eight receivers. Number three, they feel comfortable only having two tight ends and using Jacob Harris and maybe even a uh, Ben Skoranek as a, a wide receiver tight end hybrid. So um, unless they keep Roger Carter, then that kind of changes the game. So again, you know, a lot of news today. But, uh, you know, I'm excited to talk about it with you guys, you know, answer your questions. Robert, I, I know you just came up here to speak. So uh, by all means, I'll give you the floor um, if you want to take yourself off of mute. I appreciate you uh, joining the show. Hey, uh, Jake, let me let me ask you a question. Do you think that McCutcheon cuts into Speronik's PT at the start of the season? Uh, he gets some, maybe some PT right away. It's a great question. Um, you know, Robert, I, I think there's a, a chance he does because, you know, I think the real main reason Skoranek is on this team and, and is a lock and didn't see any preseason time is because they feel so good about him on special teams. They feel so good about him being able to do what he does on the offense. And I understand for some fans, they might be like, wait a minute, he didn't do anything for the offense. But, you know, we're not really seeing the practices and this guy you know, they like the ability that he has to play all three wide receiver spots on the outside. He can play on the inside. And, you know, he can even play in line as a tight end if they really want him to put him there. So I think with that versatility, that gives him the edge over Tutu Atwell. However, he doesn't have the speed Atwell does. So I think for that reason, you know, they're going to rotate them. But there's no reason why if Lance McCutcheon continues to do what he does, there's no reason to assume that, you know, he couldn't cut into the playing time of those two at all um, because, you know, he's not blazing fast, but he's definitely faster than Skoranek. Skoranek has a hard time kind of changing direction. I think that's kind of the big thing there. But when you look yeah. at McCutcheon, he has no issue changing direction. So he doesn't have the at-well level speed, but he's got speed for the NFL game, definitely an NFL starting wide receiver caliber speed. And on top of that, you look at the hands. I mean, this guy only missed two yeah. targets in preseason. So to answer your question, yeah. Robert, I 100% think he could cut into playing time for both of them. 
Now, 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 a follow-up to that. So do you think there's any chance, let's say he comes in and he's successful this first half of the season, do you think there's any chance that changes, not that they won't still try to get OBJ, but if it, it changes the negotiation strategy with him at all? Another great question. You're on a roll here. Um, you know, I think it definitely could change the negotiation strategy. I don't think it changes what they ultimately want. And that's, they want number three or number 13 or whatever he's going to wear. They want him back in LA. OBJ was a, you know, key integral part of what they did on the offense when Robert Woods went down. Now I know they got him before he went down, but he wasn't officially signed until, you know, right when Robert Woods tore his ACL. Um, They got him in the mindset of having all of them together. So when people are are saying that, you know, OBJ, like, is he still even a fit? That's what you got to remember is that they wanted OBJ to play with Van Cooper and Robert Woods. Um, you know, and so I think that speaks volumes to how much of a pass happy approach this offense is going to take, because I think that they would want OBJ with Van, you know, Allen and of course, uh, you know, Cooper. But I think on top of that, I think they're going to have more of a rotational basis with the third and fourth, because I think they're going to want to get Skoranek. They're going to want to get Tutu. And at this point, I think they'd want to get Powell and even, uh, you know, McCutcheon and, and even Harris involved. So it's one of those offenses where I think you're going to look at Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson and they're going to dominate, right? They're going to dominate the touches. They're going to dominate the yards and the touchdown receptions and, and all that. Um, but, you know, it may not be a statistically beautiful year for anybody after those two, but they're all going to contribute and they're all, it's going to be all hands on deck. And the cool thing about it is that they're so diversified that the Rams have so many different ways that they can really integrate these guys in the offense um, that you can get so many different looks, you know, because the thing with Tutu Atwell is that he gives you that like Tyree kill type of ability where he can turn any play into a touchdown. If you really think about it. And uh, Uh, let me, let me ask you about that. Do you think, and I'll let uh, Kyle get in here then, but do you think he's going to probably play? I'm not as high on him as some guys, but do you think he's going to have sort of that, Tavon Austin type of role even you know maybe some sweeps and stuff like that as well or is he maybe almost too small for you know that sort of thing well it's funny I think he offers the Tavon Austin stuff but I think he's also he plays above the rim which is really rare for a 5'9 receiver but Mm -hmm. he will go up there and try to make a play on the football and he runs crisp routes and can actually play on the outside. He's not just a slot guy. So no. I think with all that versatility and then on the top of that, you know, the athleticism, he's really just, he's not just a gadget guy. Like he is a Swiss army knife at that point. The only thing he can't do is block because he can show effort. And I'm sure he shows effort, but he's not going to be able to really contribute because of the stature and, and just the overall makeup of his, his body. He's not built to withstand, you know, like, head-on collisions and things like that where you know you get engaged with you know a defensive end or something like he's not willing to do that but it's okay because you know I think at the end of the day he offers so much more and the Rams don't really need to utilize him in that way they can get all different looks and for you know people they might think well it's a tell because you know if Tutu Atwell's in there then you know obviously they're not going to be you know running the ball because he can't block I would say this 
they're going to still run the ball when Atwell's in there because they're they're not going to be stupid in their approach. They're not going to make it obvious what they're doing ahead of time. Uh, but you know, they're they're going to at least do something like that. So, um, you know, I think it's really about getting different looks there, Robert. You know, and I think that's the exciting thing is that if you can use Atwell and jet sweeps and and jet motions and you know, if you can get the linebackers just a tick moving to the opposite field, and then you you cut it over to the way like the opposite side of where they're you know leaning towards. I mean, that little millisecond is going to make a huge difference uh, as far as you know when you have that four three speed. Um, on top of that, you know he while he can't block, you know Skoranek can. And on top of that, while you know Skoranek can block, you also know that Lance McCutcheon can. So. You know, when Lance McCutcheon's in, he's faster and everything, but it's not a tell. You're not giving away if you're, you know, running or, or passing in the down because, you know, he's not necessarily the special teamer that Skronik is, but from everything I've heard is that he's just as good of a blocker. And so that really doesn't give away anything that they're trying to do, which is valuable because at the end of the day, it, it is, you know, we can say all we want, we can call football all we want, but really at the end of the day, it's a poker game. Um, you know, you're going over there, you're not trying to show your hand and all that. There's a lot of different things that you, you operate, you know, pre-snap, uh, to try to bluff. And, uh, you know, you really just don't want to have any tells of what you're going to do before you snap the ball. And so I think having those different looks and, and just obviously having a guy like Sean McVay, uh, ensures that that's just not going to happen. Oh, you know what? One other thing. Do you do you think with all the the uh, the wide receivers they have and all the talent, will they maybe go uh, more four wide this year than their regular standard? What is it? You know, they do a lot of uh, eleven something or other. They call it. You know, yeah, eleven personnel. A lot of eleven personnel. Well, maybe they go a lot more four wide and maybe mix it up a little more. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if they they went ten. Uh, which is, you know, that obviously there's no running back. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Or sorry, if they went, um, you know, empty set with with the five wide, I wouldn't be surprised if they went five wide. Um, because they can move running backs out wide. You know, you look at Henderson, you look at, um, you know, Cam Akers. They all offer the ability to receive. Keep in mind, Kyron Williams is a former receiver. You know, he he turned into a running back, but he, you know, was originally a receiver. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind. But you have three running backs that can receive. Then you have, you know, a bevy of wide receivers. You know, they're literally using uh, Brandon Powell in that rotation in practice. Like, so much so that he wasn't even utilized in the preseason. That that speaks volumes to me. So when you look at that, you know, ability, um, you know, there's a lot of talent on the you know wide receivers. Now you have the tight ends with, you know, Bryson Hopkins and uh, Tyler Higbee. I mean, you can get all sorts of looks going five wide, even four wide. So, yeah, I think they're definitely going to do that. I think it's going to be more pass happy this year than we've seen maybe since the Gray Show on Turf. And I think even more so than that, because with the Gray Show on Turf, they didn't really run those because they wanted Falk on the field at all times. So, you know, they weren't trying to take Falk off the field. So we're probably not going to we're, – we're probably going to see more mix and match than what the Gray Show on Turf would because as great as the Gray Show on Turf was – it didn't have the depth of the wide receivers that the Rams currently have right now. All right. Uh, Kyle, you want to uh, speak? I mean, everyone can uh, like unmute their mics and we can have a conversation. Like you're, you're more than welcome to, 
doesn't have to be single file, but um, you know, whatever works. But Kyle, did you want to say anything? Cause I know you've been waiting. You're muted by you the way. Me? Oh, I can uh, hear you now. Yeah. You can hear me now. So, yeah. um, yeah, great. I had a question regarding, um, I, I know we're going to more pass happy office just in the fact that we're going to keep all those receivers, but also, um, like last year, like the run game, I think was kind of an Achilles heel all year long, but I'm excited with all the big receivers we have, like that we can throw in there with McCutcheons and, and even like, uh, Jacob Harris and, uh, thing, you know, so they can do multiple, multiple looks. So it can look like it's passing play. And then how is that going to play into more like keeping defenses honest? Because I know the offensive line is kind of a concern right now with wet retiring and then Russ getting hurt. Yeah. I mean, I think you got to go play action. Um, You know, you can't just totally annihilate play action. Um, And I don't think they're going to be permanently in the, uh, you know, the empty set or anything like that, Kyle. Um, you know, I think you got to keep defenses honest, like you're saying. You still have to run the ball. Um, it might mean, though, Kyle, that they're going to run the ball in, in different personnel groupings. Like, even though, you know, single back set might be their best way of running the ball, and they might have the most success. Like you said, they're going to have to keep defenses honest. So don't be surprised if they're running out of the shotgun. You know what I mean? If they're running more out of the shotgun, if they're in the shotgun more than that, you know, you, like, again, you don't want to, like you said, you don't want to, like, tip your hand. You don't want to, you know, have any tells to what you're going to run. You got to keep the defense honest. Like, hey, I'm going to do anything. You know, I'm going to have, just because I'm putting this guy in motion doesn't mean I'm going to use him in, you know, a reverse role, you know, right? Like, so that's the thing is I think you want to get different looks and whatnot. And so, um, you know, if we see more running out of the, you know, the the shotgun, don't be surprised at all. Um but, you know, I think that's that's what I would say about that. I think you're you're right on point there because, like, you know, if you were to just run every time you're in, you know, single back set, you're pretty much letting the defense know, like, hey, anytime you line up in single back set, look, this team, the, the you know, the tendencies that they have, they've already shown us that they don't throw on this. So when they're in this set, they're not going to throw the ball. Uh, there's no point of us playing the pass, and we're just going to come up and maybe, you know, engage eight, you know, put eight in the box, maybe even nine in the box and just run blitz. Jay, did you want to say anything? I know you're muted. Um, Anybody else that wants to call in, be sure to do that. Just here as a fan, man. Rams fan till the end. I appreciate you, Jay. Hope you're enjoying the show. I know it's uh, it's definitely different if you follow my YouTube and all that. It's it's definitely a little different. The the sound quality for one isn't as good because I don't have my mic, but um, this is all via the phone. But I appreciate you guys being in here. I think um, today was uh, it was a reminder that we are really freaking close to the NFL season. <laughs> all the news today was just a reminder, like we are right around the corner. I can't stress that enough. Do you have plans to come out for specific games this year, Jake? You know, it's a good question, Robert. I mean, I definitely want to, right? Um, it is a little hard for me being in, uh, you know, upstate New York, but I want to go to one of them. Um, 
you know, Alexis, my co-host of the Downtown Rams podcast, and I are trying to go to a game together. And then I'm trying to go see family in Lawrence, Kansas, catch a Kansas Jayhawk game because I'm a KU fan, um, and then see the Rams and Chiefs game in all in one. So that would be a, a freaking dream. But that's that's really my plan. I'm trying to see at least one game at SoFi. I've been to L.A. since uh, the Rams played the Saints in uh, gotcha. 2019. So yeah, SoFi SoFi is pretty cool. I went I went to three games last year, and I'm hoping to go to like two or three this year again. Um, but uh, it, it's it's definitely fun. It's a good atmosphere, that's for sure. I'm sure you'd love it. Oh yeah, I, I well, I love like the modern day stadiums because I, I think it was said best because I also cover the Jets, and so I've been on like Jets uh, shows and whatnot, and like I don't feel like any Jets fan likes MetLife at all. <laughs> I mean, it's I don't know, it's a traditional stadium, you know what I mean? Like it, they spent a lot of money on it, but it's just the stereotypical stadium. It's not, it's not SoFi, it's not the Viking Stadium, it's not Jerry World, it's not like one of the modern day you know, state-of-the-art-looking stadiums. Yeah. I, I feel that way about the Dodger Stadium out here. It's 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 pretty brutal. It's hard to get into. It takes a long time to get in and out. It's, oh, you know, that sucks. You know, one of those. Literally about half the time you spend more time in your car getting there, too, because, you know, L.A. traffic is just absurd. But you know, oh, yeah. I'm sure it's the same way out there, you know, for Jets and Giants games, too, though, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've only ever been to Jets and Giants games when they play the Rams, and uh, I've only ever been inconvenienced. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, they make you get a parking pass when you're already there. Like you have to drive out and then like park somewhere and then get a parking pass in line and show it to them. It's absolutely brutal the way they have it. It is just totally ass backwards. But um, and then Yankee Stadium is is interesting. Because I don't, I don't drive to the stadium, so I mean, I just take the train, so it, it's somewhat, you know, okay for me. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just think that a lot of these, the problem is people that make these stadium layouts don't actually go to the stadium as a fan, <laughs> so they're not really thinking. It looks well on paper, so that that's good enough for us. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's that it's easy to get to. Um, you know, like in Orange County, we have the Angels. And it's easy yeah. to get to their games. You can use the you can use the train pretty easily, um, and then um, I've I've used the Metro Rail to get to one of the Rams games, and it was oh, okay. pretty it was pretty easy. You could take the Metro Rail, and then it's a short you know they they have a bus thing that that's right there at one of the stops and get you over there. So you can do that if you want from say Orange County, and it's pretty cool. It makes it pretty easy. Um, yeah, that's cool. I like that. I think um <clears throat> I think with the uh with SoFi it just uh, cuz I I went to the Coliseum and I definitely like like the nostalgia of going to the Coliseum like I mean obviously I didn't go through yeah. that but like just going with like my father cuz he grew up a, a Rams fan and like his next door neighbor was Jim Youngblood so he's like the reason that I'm a fan and uh you know it was cool going there with him like he couldn't even believe that there was like football back in the Coliseum and that the Rams were back there, even though like we already knew they had moved and everything. Uh, we actually saw the second game of Sean McVay's tenure. He lost to the the Redskins at the time, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a it was a great game. I mean, obviously, you know, it sucked. It was Donald's game back, and they lost. But yeah. the Todd Gurley hurdle, I, I'll never forget that. 
Yeah, right. That was a pretty good game, though. They, I mean, they, had, they definitely had opportunities to win that game, but it was a good game. Yeah, it was. It was the first game where Jared Goff was a starter. He had weapons and was really tested because the first game he went up against Scott Tolzien, so no one really bought it when they won forty-four to six. But that game against Cousins, he was. That was the first time he was really tested. And then what's funny is, you know, the next year he would go up against Kirk Cousins on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, what I call he pitched a perfect game. That was probably the most perfect quarterback I play I've ever seen um, on Thursday Night Football. It was incredible. Um, unfortunately, Goff fell off after that, but you know, right? Yeah. I mean, he had that great game. He had that great game Thursday night. Yeah, that was that was probably his best game. Um, and then he had a really good game, obviously against KC. You know, the Monday oh, yeah. night game. They came back here. It was supposed to be in Mexico City. He was really good in that game too, even though he threw some interceptions. But you know, yeah. I well, I want to ask you guys. I want to ask everybody in here. Where are we on Rams versus Chiefs? Do we think this is going to be another like shootout? Because they're playing in uh, they're playing at Arrowhead, so it's a little different. But you know, no, mm-mm. I don't believe it's going to be another one like that one back in the day. Sorry, I just jumped in. How's it going tonight, fellas and ladies? How's it going, Ricky? I can't really hear you that well. You are somewhat mm. uh, muffled. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm. Or maybe it's my phone. No, I think you're muffled because my phone is all the way up on. Um. Uh, all right, JD. I'll... I see your uh your commenting. Sorry for the comments, guys. They're they're like delayed, so I'm not seeing them like when you guys are posting because it shows like three minutes, four minutes, seventeen minutes. So. I'm not ignoring you guys. I'm just noticing um, the comments now, so don't think that I was ignoring you. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I love having everyone on here. It's it's awesome to get people in here. Been trying to really push this, and um, you know, I signed a, a deal, a call in to to do the exclusive Ram show. So I do it twice a week, and <clears throat> the thing I like about it, and the reason why I do it, in addition to already having a Rams podcast that I do with Alexis, Downtown Rams and having the YouTube channel where I cover the Rams is because this is, gives me the opportunity to interact with you guys via, you know, audio. Like I can, I, I can literally talk to you guys like it's a phone call. So I love that aspect of this. And that's why it's so great to get everybody in here. Um, so with the Kansas city game, I, I think that that's going to be something special, but where, where do we, uh, where are we on the bills game? You know, I mean, I think, if high-flying, high-scoring. What's that? High-flying, high-scoring. Week one, Bills, NFL kickoff, Rams. I, I see it up being in the 40s easily. Wow. I mean, I'm not a betting man, but I see it being high-scoring. Just offense, 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 passing, passing. Cup's probably going to have a career game, as is uh, what's his name, Steph uh, Diggs, and Allen of Stafford will go back to back, probably throw for three fifty each. I do. I just see it in the the mid to high forties. Rams coming out mm. at the end. Matt Gay long field goal. Wow, wow, that would be exciting. That would be exciting. <laughs> that <laughs> I say probably mid thirties. But I actually, um, I don't think it's a, it's going to be a bad thing. I almost think it might, you know, like be a good thing. But I, I, I don't see us winning that game. I think it's, I think we're going to lose it. 
but I think it'll mo- it'll be motivating though for the Rams. I think uh, this is the Super Bowl preview, in my opinion. And um, I don't know. I tend to lean like a thirty to twenty-seven game. Rams come out on top at the end. That's kind of where I'm leaning. But I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the Bills. Um, you know, so it's it's not me hating. I, I definitely think that they could be a problem. And uh, obviously, I have them in the Super Bowl. But I think that if you're, you know, if the Rams are going to get a, a team at any point, like this is the best time to get the Bills. Because they have, you know, some new faces in there. Like, so do the Rams. But, like, Von Miller is going to be, like, their leader of their defense. Like, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to take over as the leader and everything. And I just, I feel like this is the time you want to play the Bills. Because I think if they're going to get on a roll and they're going to be like a freight train. So... Is there anybody else on the Bills defense that scares you, like Von Miller? Well, I would say Gregory Russo has 20 sack potential, if I'm being honest. I know that sounds absolutely crazy, but I, I think Gregory Russo could be a top five defensive player in football. Like, I, I think they got an absolute steal at the end of the first round with him. Um, he was a rookie last year, and... You know, he, he kind of fell because he had 17 sacks uh, is, you know, the year at Miami. He got hurt and basically sat out the, his the season before the draft and got prepared for the draft. So, like, you know, he dropped because of that. He dropped because of, you know, the injury. He dropped because people thought he was a tweener. But, uh, yeah, he, he is absolutely lethal. Um, I, I don't think – I don't think he gets talked about enough. And to be honest with you, and I'm guilty of it because I just did it, I think Von Miller gets talked about a little too much because before he went to the Rams, we were starting to wonder where, you know, what Von Miller was. I mean, at that mm-hmm. point, right? So, Definitely. you know, I think that's something that we need to remember is that, yeah, I mean, it's not to say Von Miller's going to go to the Bills and just absolutely, you know, suck. But keep in mind, both he and OBJ were kind of in a rut as far as their career, you know, and then they go to the Rams and it like revitalized their careers. So, something yeah, what made mind. it so great for him was that he was really the B. I mean, being the B yeah. to Aaron Donald was was really what was valuable with him. I think, you know, yeah. if he has to be the A, if he has to be the guy, he's going to get a lot more attention, and he may revert back to what he was maybe the year before. You know, um, we'll have to see. It's true. And we're going to find out pretty quickly when he goes up against <laughs> Snowboom. What's that, three weeks? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think the so. Ninth? The ninth? I think it's the eighth Thursday. Is it the eighth? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it yeah, should I be can... a great game, I, I would assume. <clears throat> I mean, the Rams, the Rams schedule, what do you think of that, Jake? What do you think of the Rams schedule? It's, it seems pretty brutal. It is brutal, uh, but I also think, you know, the, the NFC is just not as good as it has been, and, uh, you know, it, I don't know if you guys saw Chris Canty's comments on ESPN about how this team isn't going to make the playoffs. That was his bold prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you, yeah, I'll tell you this right now. Like, his, his argument was that Stafford's going to miss games because of his elbow. First off, that's media fodder. I don't even buy the elbow thing. 
I'll say it over and over again. Sean McVay would have shut down Stafford if that was serious. Period. But anyway, I don't buy that. But even if let, – let's just play his game, all right? Let's say he does get hurt, right? One, you're now predicting injuries. So that's not really great analysis. But two, uh, you know, here, even if he gets hurt, you have Walford and you have Perkins, and people would be like, well, there's no way they're, they're leading him to the Super Bowl. You're right. They're probably not leading the Super Bowl, but to assume they're not making the playoffs with those guys is ridiculous. It's an absolute minimizing of the roster. I mean, now you're you're telling me Perkins has that speed, mobility, and he's got weapons like Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson, Tutu yeah. Atwell, potentially OBJ. I mean, you want to tell me that, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't subscribe to the fact that, you know, the Rams would be dead in the water if they had to, you know, rely on Wolford and Perkins. I, I just don't. I don't buy that, and I think it's it's a lazy narrative, essentially. Yeah, I, I would assume, though, as high as you are on um, Lance, though, that it wouldn't shock you to say the Niners won the division or something. It wouldn't shock me, but I like when I look at the NFC. Like, you say you know the, the Rams missed the playoffs, right? Who? How are they missing the playoffs? You know, like with the team they have. I understand if, if Stafford goes down, but Stafford, yeah. Is he gonna? Is he saying Stafford's gonna go down at the beginning of the year? Like, because I still think, like in this scenario, he probably wins a bunch of games before he he gets hurt with the elbow, right? And then, uh, you know, you still have Bryce Perkins and, and John Wolford with all those weapons, and you have a defense that looks like it's really depth filled. It's probably the best cornerback room I've seen in recent memory for the Rams. So when you put all that together, I don't see how they miss the playoffs because okay, let's just say. You know, for the hell of it, even though Tom Brady might retire, uh, you know, again, uh, Tampa gets Tom Brady back. All right, so they're in the playoffs, right? Then you have the uh, the Packers and the Vikings. I'll put them both in. Then you have the NFC East team that probably isn't that great, but I'll put in Philly, right? So those are the four teams. You got three spots after that. Okay, so you got New Orleans. So New Orleans could potentially make it, right? But are they better than the Rams even without Stafford? I don't know about that. Uh, Dallas? No, I don't think they're better than the Rams even without Stafford. So, like, who are you looking at at that point? Like, you know, then the Niners, right? So I'd probably say the Niners, and then you have two teams. So with seven spots, and that's the thing that I don't understand. You now also too. I throw the Cardinals in there too. You know, they'd be. I mean, especially if you're if you're assuming that Stafford's not playing. Yeah, I would. I would put the Cardinals maybe up there too. They're close. Yeah, I'm actually not high on them. Okay. yeah, I, I don't. I don't trust them. Uh, I don't like the way they falter at the end of seasons, and they consistently do it. Uh, you yeah. look at Kingsbury; he's been doing it since college. You look yeah, at he's Kyler Murray. And, yeah, and you look at Kyler Murray, and, and he like really just—I I don't know, man. He his play falls off a cliff. Uh, it's actually this this rumor out yeah. there. I think it's funny. I don't really buy too much into it, but it's this rumor every year when Call of Duty comes out. Apparently, like, this dude did this whole thing where every year when Call of Duty comes out, Kyler Murray's stats drop considerably. Oh, that's crazy. You know what? I wow. went to the Cardinal game. I went to the Cardinal game in L.A., and he was he was phenomenal. He was amazing. And, looked like but, he didn't look, but by that second game, he didn't look that way at all. I mean, it was no. like, what? It looked like a completely different player. Yeah, yeah. He looked like he, looked like he was better than Lamar. I mean, he was the, be- the best player double threat quarterback in the NFL that that week. I mean, he just was a freak. Oh yeah. Rams beat, how's it going? 
Hey, real good. Uh, yeah, Kyler, he really relies on um, uh, Hopkins. You know, when Hopkins went down, he looked like a different player. So it'll be interesting to see. We get him um, before Hopkins comes back from his injury. So it'll be interesting to see if without Hopkins that fast start can, can, can continue. I don't think it will this year. They'll probably be three and three or so, you know, four and two at best. But see, the, the thing with the Niners is I feel like it's a really strong team. And the reason that I do predict that they'll win the division um, is I think Lance will be good enough. But I think the big difference is the three teams that, that we, have, we obviously play the same schedule except for these three games. And they play the Bears, the Dolphins, and the Commanders. And we play the Bills, Cowboys, and Green Bay in Green Bay. So there's like three games that are very, very different between the two teams. And I think that between those three games, it'll swing, swing the division. So you think the Niners win the division as it stands right now? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously Trey Lance is probably the biggest question mark wild card, however you want to put it, and probably the entire NFL um, because he's on a really good roster. And if he plays well, good enough, they're a very good team. If he doesn't, obviously no team's good with a – a bad rookie quarterback, yeah. but um, but yeah, I, I do think he's going to play good enough. I think Shanahan, um, I don't, I think he's overrated, but I think still think he's a very good coach, and he'll he'll put him in good a position to succeed. I mean, they don't rely on deep passes; they don't rely on a lot of that. They rely on a lot of short stuff, a lot of running. Lance can get involved in the running game, so um, yeah, I think it'll be a successful year. So I put him at probably, uh, you know. 11 wins, maybe the Rams at 10, something like that. Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, I think when you look at, you know, Trey Lance, I mean, if he is a little bit better than Garoppolo, that goes a long way, you know? Yeah. Because that mobility. That's the scary thing. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was the thing. I was – like, it was funny. If I don't know if every, if everyone or anyone saw the live stream that I did during the draft uh, with my co-host, but – you know, she kept telling me not to worry. The 49ers weren't going to draft Trey Lance. And I was like, they are absolutely taking Lance. You have no idea what you're talking about. And she's like, no, 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 they're going to take Mac Jones. I'm like, nope, that is not true. That was thrown out there for, like, no reason at all, just smokescreen, I guess. But it was honestly kind of stupid. And uh, I knew they were taking Trey Lance. And when they took Trey Lance, that was them saying, you know what, Trey Lance, your mobility, your athleticism – like, you're going to be astronomically better than Jimmy Garoppolo if we get you in our system, we get you in, you know, in our culture, you do your thing. Because I don't know if you guys saw, but um, – and, and I don't really get into the whole drama aspect of, of sports. I really stick away – like, stay away from that. But I thought it was really intriguing. I'm sure some of you saw it, but Chris Sims actually pointed out that Garoppolo is, like, nowhere to be seen – in the off season, if anybody tries to get a hold of him, he's like gone. He he doesn't he he's not really much of a a, a team guy uh, during the off oh, wow. season. Wow, yeah, I didn't like, know that. I, I dig Sims, but I'd never heard that. Oh wow, yeah, That's Chris crazy. Sims is like tight with Kyle Shanahan, and so I guess like they kind of right. got tired of that because they're like, why is this guy not working in the off season? Like, why why is he like? Yeah, he just doesn't answer anybody. So well, that's strange, yeah. Yeah, like uh, apparently, especially if you're a middle of the road guy and you have a lot still to to improve and stuff. Well, maybe it seems that's like you even go of out of your guy. way more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know the guy personally, but I mean, 
Chris Sims is tight with Kyle Shanahan, so he wouldn't just yeah. run his mouth like that if he didn't sure. if he didn't actually get permission to do that. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, my my big fear though is that Lance, even if he's just okay this year, I mean it would not shock me at all that if he's 85, 90% as good as Josh Allen and um, Mahomes at some point over the next three years, which would be devastating as a Rams fan. I mean, that'd be really rough, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, again, I just think there's some Rams fans that are honestly using the the more, like, wishful thinking that he's going to bust. And I'm just telling you, I don't think he's going to bust. I really think they got a absolute stud in him. And I think while the the Rams dominate the current, the the here and now, I think they're setting up to be absolutely disgusting down the road, like the next ten years level. And and I think that's something the Rams are going to cross that bridge when they cross it, and they know that. You know, I'm sure yes. they're looking at that decision, but they've already they've made the decision, and it was the right one. I mean, trading away Jared Goff and getting Matthew Stafford was the right decision. They won a Super Bowl. They got over the yeah. hump. Now they're going to try to win every year that they have Stafford. Stafford will probably retire after the five-year deal, and then they're going to have to evaluate and, and see, you know, maybe if they're doing what the Colts are doing right now, going from, you know, veteran quarterback to veteran quarterback and Phillip Rivers and Carson Wentz and now Matt Ryan. I mean, if they're that team, then they're that team. I mean, if you if you build a good enough foundation of a roster, then yeah. But one thing I'll say that hurts the Rams long-term is that when Aaron Donald retires, a lot of the things that they do because Aaron Donald is so good at his, you know, role, uh, they're not going to be able to do. So they have to change their approach big time. And so this whole, like, this Rams team is going to be a whole lot different, whereas the Niners are just going to be pretty much what the Niners are, essentially, uh, running their offense the way they want. And that is why getting, you know, Trey Lance when they did was genius, in my opinion, because they don't have to stray away from how they build their team. And they don't have to stray away from how they run their team and how they run their offense. Whereas the Rams, once you know Donald does retire after that five-year deal with, with Stafford, you're going to start to see they're going to have to try and change things and try to do things differently because it's going to be a whole new you know freaking roster yeah. at that point. I do hope that they do go once once Matthew Stafford is gone. I hope they go to a, a true dual threat QB. I I think oh, that figure. is really the future. I mean, hey Jake, I, I, how's it going? So, uh, so what are your thoughts on um on the Bills playing the Rams, and how, what are your thoughts on uh, Matthew Stafford going up against Josh Allen? Do you think that's going to be intimidating for you as a Rams fan, or you think you're gonna you think you're gonna be fine? Well, I'll tell you this: uh, I'll never feel intimidated as a Rams fan as long as Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford are uh, are in that game. Um, you know, I, I feel like when I watch the Rams, they can win any game. And when they lose, it's almost kind of surprising. Like, I don't actually feel like it's intimidation or like I'm worried. I just feel like when it happens, I'm just in shock, you know? So, so, um, so who's your, who's, uh, so takeaway, who's your greatest Rams player of all time? Would you go with Eric Dickerson or would you go with Dennis Hara? <laughs> oh, of course I would go with ED there. I mean, Hera was great, no doubt, and I don't know if you're related to him, so I'm not trying to trash him. But, uh, but no, uh, I, I would very clearly go with Ed. Now, if you ask me who's better, Ed or Marshall Falk, I might piss some people off because I think Falk is the 
greatest running back of all time that's not Barry Sanders? I mean, I mean, I really like to uh, watching tuning into your streams because I think you speak your mind, and that's the biggest thing that some people are afraid of speaking their mind. They're not; they're kind of afraid of saying the truth, and they something might come out wrong. You're you're the only one person who really speaks your mind as a Rams fan, and you say the truth. Like you, you really, you really like whatever you believe in. You really say it. So that's like what I really like about you. Hey, I appreciate that, Shardal. You know, I try to keep it uh, try to keep it real. You know, I'm not gonna regurgitate the same stuff you watched on ESPN or First Take or whatever. Because why would you then watch me? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be truly honest about how I feel. That's why. Like, I'm also not going to be, you know, more of a fan than, you know, an analyst. Like, I'm not going to sit here and lie to make people feel good about Trey Lance. Like, I warned people ahead of time, this Trey Lance guy is the best quarterback in the draft. Like, when he came out, I was like, he is special. And I hope to God he doesn't go to the Niners or Seattle or somebody like that. So, um, And then he ended up going to the Niners. <laughs> so if you had your Mount Rushmore of current or past Rams players... Who would you put on your Mount Rushmore if you had a Mount Rushmore? Oh God, this is tough. Um, really good question. I mean, I gotta say, you know, Warner has to be there because you know they won their first Super Bowl with Warner, the third NFL championship, their first Super Bowl. Uh, then you probably have to put Isaac Bruce up there, the last remaining L.A. Ram before they moved to St. Louis. Um, you know, he was second all-time in receiving when he retired. Um, and then after that, I mean, Aaron Donald, because, I mean, he's the greatest player of all time. I, I do think he's better than Tom Brady. Um, you may not have the accolades, the rings, all of that, but, um, you know, I think Aaron Donald, there's never been a more dominant. And I'll say this. I think as far as athletes, Aaron Donald is on the level of Gretzky. Like, we're, we're, like the, Gretzky was probably the most dominant athlete because he was so much better than everyone else. Aaron Donald is on that level. So I think Aaron Donald is the greatest player to ever play football. So he would obviously be there. And then the last one, it's tough because, you know, you have all sorts of guys. You have Merlin Olsen, you have Deacon Jones, Marshall Falk. Uh, you know, but I do want to kind of diversify this a little bit. So I, you know, I had Aaron, Aaron Donald from the modern era, Isaac Bruce from, you know, the, the, I guess the combination of great show on turf. So sorry. Uh, and then, you know, I said, um, Kurt Warner, who was also in the, the great show on turf. So I guess I got to say somebody from the, the eighties or seventies or something like that. So I'm probably going to go with Jack Youngblood. Uh, he's not the best of, you know, the pass rushers or the defensive linemen. Um, but I, I'll probably go with him, you know, um, or Merlin Olsen, I guess. But it's it's really tough. So, That's um, tough. So I'll Jack list Slater. My, my top five yes, rounds. Yes, Slater I'll played list, 20 years. So you can, for, you can list your top five rounds of all time first, and then I'll list my top 49ers of all time after you say your top five rounds. Well, top five Rams, I mean, then that that changes the whole game. I mean, uh, I, man, I would probably say the best Rams to ever play, the best players ever play for the Rams, I'd probably go number one is Donald. Um, 
you know, and then I'd probably say number two is Marshall Falk, if I'm being honest, because I think Falk is the second best running back of all time. Um, number three is probably, I mean, if we're being honest, Night Train Lane might be one of the best, he might be the best cornerback of all time. And he only played two years with the Rams, but I mean, you know, if we're talking, you know, the best. Um, man, that that is a tough one because then it's like Waterfield was like a legend. You know. What was that, Jay? No, you guys are good. I, I'm just listening along. Oh, no, I thought you were you were trying to speak or something, so my bad. Um, and then Deacon Jones created the sack, so that will be my top five. So for me, my top five would be Joe Montana. Number two, Jerry Rice. Number three, Ronnie Watt. Number four, Steve Young. Number five, Dwight Clark. Okay. I'd probably put Jerry Rice number one. What's crazy about that list, Chardall, is that all of those guys played in exactly, basically on the same team for all practical purposes. The priest. And your team's been around since 1950. The priest salary cap era was uh, quite the time. I mean, those were all great players. Don't get me wrong. It's just that that the the 49er history is essentially boiled down into 18 years. And they won the, all five Super Bowls within 14 years. And before that, for 30 years. And after that, for 20-something years, it's been uh, 28 years. It's been pretty bleak. Yeah, you're, so I mean, my, you're right. So my top five current 49ers of all time would be Jimmy Ward. Um, I'll say Javon Kinlaw. I'll say Fred Warner. I'll say uh, Talano Hufanga. I'll say Nick Bosa. Oh wow! Oh, come Jimmy on, Kinlaw. Wow. No, 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 no. That's that's a <laughs> Robbie Gold's got to be up there. I'm just throwing out a base kicker. Current. I mean, he's been their clutch for the last few years since he left Chicago. I mean, no Debo, man. Debo's uh, too early. He's showing off. <laughs> Ramsey will shut him down. No, no, I was just saying because he, he included Kinlaw, so I was I mean, like, Kinlaw hasn't even had a season yet. He was a but he didn't play well his first year. He was hurt last year. I mean, that's if he's a top five, that's hey, now, way better guy. Ribs, I mean, how about Warren? Fred we Warner? don't want him showing up in here now. How about Armstead? How about you know? Yeah, Buster, you don't know? want him showing up here. <laughs> oh, did you say? I got that, uh, Joe. Did you say uh, Trent Williams? Because he's no. the best left tackle in the league. By far. So, anyway. Hey, Jake, um, change the subject. I don't know if you covered this, but but yeah. what do you think about my take that they cut Blanton because out of respect for him to give him a chance to get going somewhere else because they knew that he wasn't going to make the final um, cut next week? Well, I think that made sense because I saw that, and I think that made sense for sure. Um but I also wouldn't rule them, you know, like, I think they would want him back, you know. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he does end up on the practice squad. Now, I personally think he's good enough to be on another roster. But how many times in the past have we seen, like, we as fans tend to overvalue players. And we got the first look at that when you saw Traven Howard. Because Traven Howard and Kendall Blanton are all like the same tier, in my opinion. And Traven Howard went unclaimed. So I think that's kind of how I look at it, is that you release him now, and you already know you want him back. 
there's no point, like, since he didn't make the team, there's literally no point to putting him in preseason because you've already seen him in the playoffs, you know? So at that point, you're, like, hoping that maybe he kind of slides through, you know, and you're able well, you know, to he wasn't, uh, he wasn't, get him he did on the practice yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, you cut out for a second. I'm sorry. I thought you were done. No, you know, he wasn't um, just because he became our number two uh, after Munt got hurt and um, he became our number two. But at the beginning of the season last year, if you look back at the initial 53, he wasn't on it. It was Hopkins. And, um, and Hopkins was parked on the inactive list like every, uh, virtually every week. So, and I don't know if you listen to the broadcast on the NFL Network with um, with uh, uh, the Ram COO, um, uh, what's his name? Um, but uh, Kevin Demoff. Yeah, uh, what's that? Kevin Demoff. Kevin Demoff. Yeah, he was talking about how they employ that where they're, um, you know, they like to redshirt certain guys and just park them on the fifty-three. So I think a lot of what you're saying is true that Blanton won't get picked up, but Bryson Hopkins would. And, and it was that, exact, essentially the same logic as they did as they used last year. Hey, um, uh, Jake, I have another question regarding the Rams. Yeah. Did you watch the um, Let's Ram It video? The Remelia Sports Report referenced that video to me, and he said he even put it on his YouTube channel, and he does live streams. That that's a pretty catchy song. Features all the members of the nineteen eighties uh, Rams. Play, um, all the members of the eighties Rams. Oh boy, I have a uh, I have a story about that. It's a very catchy song, and I'm not a Rams fan, but I just think that's super catchy, and I think that's kind of unusual because I'm a Forty Nine er fan, and I'm watching a Rams video, but I'm like that video. That song is just super catchy and like it has a really nice like rhythm and vibe to it like you could really like vibe to it and, and dance to and sing to it well what's uh you know what's funny i don't know if, if rams beat was in here the last time um i hate that song <laughs> why I... but but like but like i don't know why you hate that song because remelia sports report referenced it to me like he played as plays it on his like when he does like you know late night streams on his youtube channel he always played that song like an intro song, just like he's a Rams fan. He wants to like make it kind of fun and interesting. So he always like introduced, starts his streams always with that song, just to kind of like lighten up the mood. Well, no, no, fan. I understand that, and I, I mean, I do think it's somewhat become mm-hmm. overplayed. But I here's the thing about the, the song. I know the backstory because I interviewed Leroy Irvin, and Leroy Irvin told me that he hated that song. All the players did. They were forced to do it. It was entirely this like promo thing. They were forced to do it, and they felt like that really was the reason why they weren't ready for the Bears. Now, I understand it was the 85 Bears. I get that, right? But they felt like they weren't prepared to face them after that because it was like all this stuff. They had to do all this production. They did so many takes and everything, and then they had to fly out, and they felt like it really just hurt their clock, essentially. I mean, I mean, honestly feel like that. I think that's a fair assessment because these guys went through that. And I mean, I understand some people look at it as an excuse and maybe in some ways it is, but I just think, you know, the fact that all the players hate it really tells me all there needs to know. I, I, I look- really do not like the, uh, I, I don't like the song. It's gotten like- annoying. And, and now that I know the, the actual, like, you know, the background to it, like I, I could, I could care less about Ram it to be honest to me, with you. To me, like, I like that song a lot. 
because the jerseys that they wear, the old 1980s players wear in that video, it reminds me very much of American Underdog, the Kurt Warner movie, like about Kurt Warner, the, the real life story of Kurt Warner, the Rams, the Rams quarterback. Oh, the yeah. The jerseys they wear in the, in the Ra- Let's Ram It video really remind me of American Underdog. Like, I'm just trying to make a similarity to the, to the movie because I, well, I actually watched it. I was in the plane. We were, I was traveling in the plane. And we had we we could watch movies on the on the plane. Like we had three movies you could watch on the plane. Oh, nice! Yeah, and I really like American, American Underdog. Underdog, and it was very inspiring story about how you know Kurt Warner, like you know, on and off the field, he's this great guy, and you know everybody likes him as a player. They really trust him, and they really like believe that this guy can be their quarterback of the future. And um, I really love that movie, and it was like very inspirational and on the story of Kurt Warner. Just like his background and his story, and just about the guy in general, it was pretty inspirational. It, I mean, you know, I just, I just like that. So I would just comparing the that similarity to the movie to the Let's Ram It video. Hey, so I, I, I think the, uh, I think the Bears got really lucky in '85, not because against the Rams, but. They were really lucky they didn't have to play the uh, Miami Dolphins again because they probably would have got crushed a second time. I could see that. You know, he kind I of exposed. Say- he kind of exposed their defense. They they really were had a great rush, had a great run defense, but they were they were really beatable deep, and he just he just torched them for like 30, 30 something points, and they got really lucky that they lost an ugly game to New England in the AFC championship game. I'll say what I had to play them again. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll say this, uh, Robert, because I, I interviewed, um, Dieter Brock and, uh, you know, that man, he only played one year with the Rams and, you know, they went to the playoffs. I understand he wasn't the best, but man, he got so much hate. It's like, look, I get, he wasn't the best quarterback, but yeah, you know, he was in the playoffs going against the 85 bears and people are like, yeah, he was trash, bro. Like, and like the poor guy, like got run yeah. out of town and basically had to go back to the CFL. Like, I, I you know, you know, what, you know, what was bad about it was is that I think this the expectation was so high that like he was so dominant in the Canadian league and and when he didn't yeah. do exactly the same thing, people were like, "Oh, you stink!" Uh, yeah, he was in a rough spot. He, I think he was in a rough spot. And he was super honest about it in our interview too. Like he, he like he felt it. You know, he, he was he was hurt by it, but you know, he, he kinda he moved on because he, he really felt like he could have been the, the starting quarterback of that team. And you know, like you he mentioned, I mean, yeah, they, they lost what was it, twenty four nothing, but twenty four nothing. They had a they had a really good third quarter, but it was like I mean, they just knew they were going to run to Dickerson almost every time. The only really passing play they had that year that worked really well is they'd run their their Ron Brown, who was a world-class sprinter, on slants, and sometimes he'd just take it to the house. But that was really their their big passing play that year, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. So, But, yeah, I think he got kind of – he kind of – I mean, unrealistic expectations. But, you know, what's funny is being a fan from the 70s, I mean, there was so much pent up, like that we were always a good quarterback away from being as good or better than other teams, and I think that just carried over that, like we thought he was going to be that, and a bunch of people hated him because he wasn't. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, it's one of those things where it's just like I interviewed him, and so you know, maybe I'm a little biased, but it, it yeah. seems kind of harsh the hate he did get. So you know, oh, I, yeah. it, I would throw that out there because uh, yeah, I learned totally a lot. unfair, Ter- totally unfair. You know, yeah, I mean, you you learn a lot when you interview these guys. You know, I didn't know about Jimmy Kennedy's story. His story is crazy. Uh, you know, because he, he was part of the whole, you know, with St. Louis Rams. When he left St. Louis, he was part of the whole Bounty Gate thing. They kind of pinned it on him. The NFL knew about Bounty Gate, so they basically used him and called him the whistleblower. He never did anything. Um, they used him to try to make the, like, to basically as an excuse to go and uh, yeah. start infiltrating the Saints. Um, so well, you know what? Let me ask you this. Do you, do you think that the Saints were doing anything that most teams weren't doing at the doing as well? Or do you think they were doing even more than other teams, really? I heard other teams had some sort of similar bounty program thing, but not on the level of the Saints. Because the okay. Saints had, like, targeted extremities. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, like, Kurt Warner was on there, and it was like, like whoever gets... Whoever hits Kurt Warner in the head gets like fifty thousand dollars. That type of deal. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a little much. Yikes! Yeah, like Brett yeah. Favre, like whoever breaks his hand or so, like yeah, it was like you know oh. shit like that. And I was just like, when I found that out, I was really, I was really bothered by that because that's that's taking it completely out. Like not even the right. money that bothers me. It's like you're targeting certain player. Like you're trying to. I think the best way that it was explained was it was either Solomon Wilcox or it was. It, I think actually it might have been um, oh the guy that's the Charger fan that always talks uh, Wiley, uh, uh-huh. you know. And Wiley said the best thing that I've ever heard in regards to like sports injuries. He said, "When you're on the football field, you're trying to hurt the player, right? You're not trying to injure the player because a hurt like hurting the player is in the game. When you injure them, because everybody gets hurt, right? Everybody after yeah. after every game is banged up. Yeah. But if you injure them," Now you're affecting their livelihood. Like, they got family members and stuff. Yeah. So when he explained that, I was like, man, that's a really good way to look at it. Because you're trying to hurt the person. You're trying yeah. to hurt the player, but you're not trying to injure the person. And so right. now yeah, the bounty gate broke that. The bounty oh, gate yeah. was essentially you're trying to injure the person. Uh, yeah, that's not good. I just figured it was more like a lot of teams would just like, yeah, you get a big hit. Like, one that would maybe get shown on ESPN. You know, like oh. a real good hit, good hit, or like you get a big sack or, you know, you really, or you make a guy fumble, but you know, like a, like a, you know, like a really big hit, you know, you're going to get 50 grand or something. That's different than, oh yeah, if you break his hand. So, or um, you, yeah. You know, that's why it was so bad. If you bad. get an ACL, it's worth a hundred thousand. You know, it's like, no, yeah. that's not cool. That's, no, not that, that's cool. a, that's a real thing. <laughs> so I so, wanted to say something like. I too don't agree with injure inj- uh, injuring players. Like it's not a joke. Like you know, like why are you injuring? Like why do you want to take it too far? You know, you're 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 taking the situation too far when you injure somebody. You know, like why are you like just play a fair game? Like you know, I know football is pull contact. You know, like we're going after each other and hitting each other, right? But like, but what about hey? What about this though? But say you know a guy has like so he's got a broken finger or he's got cracked ribs or something and making sure that you try to hit him on that side 
that is that cool? I mean, not for money or anything. I mean, it's it's not it's cool. Just, just you like, know, what do you what do you, what do you think about that? Do you think that's legit though? No, I mean, I mean, it's I mean, it's not okay. Like, like it's kind of like look at it's like if somebody has a disability and then you go and target them for their disability. Like that's like the same thing. Basically, they're like they have it. They they yeah. they have an issue, and then you just go. You're basically targeting somebody who's like who's disadvantaged, who's less advantaged than you, and you're going and targeting that individual. That's exactly what football is like. You're basically, you know, he yeah. has a problem. Because I wouldn't really have a problem with that. I, and, like, I don't agree with well, that. Like, what, it's I, just, what I'll say. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, uh, sorry, Chardell. I clicked on Ruiz because he called in, and I didn't realize it cut you off. I'm sorry about that. If you want to call in, I'll bring you back. But, um. What's up, Ruiz? But yeah, what, what, what up, I was going to say, actually, Robert, is that I disagree to an extent because I think if you have an injury in the game and you let everyone know, hey, my, my pinky's busted or whatever, I don't think it's malicious intent. I think it's, hey, this guy is the quarterback. He's holding the football and his pinky's busted. I just have to barely touch this guy and he's probably going to fumble. So Right. You right. Know, yeah. That's how to... I feel about it, too. Yeah. yeah it's kind of like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, if I know that you're, that you're kind of vulnerable in a position in a particular situation, I'm going to push you on that. Just like if I knew like a defensive back was struggling to go a little bit to the left, well, hey, I'm going to run patterns to the left, right? I mean, it's just, you know, his, his right leg's hurting him or something, right? I mean, hey, exactly. right? You got to, you know, you know no, if he's I mean, hurt that, enough, then take him off the field, right? <laughs> yeah, that's completely different. Whereas yeah. like, yeah. you know, a guy goes in and you have like a, you know, a hand issue, right? And then when you're down on the ground after you sack the quarterback, you start like trying to rip his hand off or something. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. You know that's that right. that's completely different. And I feel like like the targeting, like they made it pretty obvious about the bounty because if you watch the way that 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 uh that team, the the Saints, I, I saw it on the special teams unit. They were like going after the head, and then when mm-hmm. Kurt Warner played them on the Cardinals. Oh, man. They were going after his uh, his hand, and I noticed. Oh that. wow! How, like, how about the hand? You're a you're a KC guy going way back. What's his name? One of their a long time ago. They had a guy that played a playoff game with a a pin in his finger. KC uh, quarterback. I mean, I wonder. I mean, like that. It kind of goes back to what you said. Like if he's holding the ball, you go after the hand because you know he might fumble it, right? I mean, it's just kind of. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if he's vulnerable. That's that's fair, but it doesn't mean yeah. You try to step on his finger in a in a in a in a in a tackle though, you know. Or don't a tell Albert Hainsworth that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ruiz, but, what's up? Now nah, I just wanted to tell Sharno uh, if he um, if he felt the same way because uh, I don't know if you saw the NFC Championship game, but uh, I felt like the Niners had like a failed bounty gate. They knew what they were doing. You know, for example, that pick six, I mean, the pick from uh, when the Niners picked off in the end zone and Fred Warner went right after uh, Stafford. That was one. Uh, Jimmy Ward, every single play. Every time OBJ got the ball, it felt like they wanted to take him out. They wanted to do pretty much, in essence, what the Bengals had uh, played with when that's just worrying about Cooper Cup. So I feel like the, uh, nobody really points that out, but I feel like the Niners had a failed bounty gate. Yeah, I mean, we'll so, never know. know. Jimmy, Ward admitted, Jimmy Ward admitted that he was after OBJ because 
I think they're in in the prior game there was an interception in OBJ. Yeah, he popped um, on his first game. Out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he the, came out. And, he came out and openly said, "I'm I'm I got to get my revenge." So yeah, yeah. definitely, um, definitely Ward was after OBJ, but yeah, yeah, the whole thing with with Fred Warner and um, Fred Warner. And man. I respect to me to me Fred team. Warner. Fred Warner is the top top linebacker in the NFL. I'm gonna be honest. I think he's number one. But after that play, man, I was I lost all respect for that guy. That dude, that was like Stafford wasn't even running. He was out of the play. He's just like, hey, it is what it is. And Fred Warner just purposely put his helmet on his back of his head. Like they wanted to hurt players in order to in- increase their chance of winning. That that to me was super cool. Well, I think the thing that was the most jarring, and I'm not again, I'm not accusing them. I'm not trying to get them in trouble for something they they didn't do necessarily because we don't know. But the one that was the most jarring to me is not any of the ones you mentioned, Ruiz. It's actually, I think you know where I'm going with this. It's uh, Dre Greenlaw, because I swear to you, I saw this guy trying to basically, kind of like what Robert and I were discussing. Pile drive OBJ. No, 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 the Cam Akers thing. He's down on the ground, and he came back from the torn Achilles, and he's literally, like, trying to torque his Achilles. Wow. Like, I saw that, and I got so mad. I think I even tweeted it out, wow. and I tagged him because I was, like, so pissed. I wanted it to get to him so badly. I mean, it was stupid. I shouldn't have tagged him, but, yeah. you know, it's like not like he's ever going to look at it. But, you know, <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, he did that, and then he he folded uh, him up, like, in accordion, essentially, when he was already – like, his, his yeah. progress was already stopped. Like, he had multiple plays that were, like, really dirty. He – he raked his uh he raked his helmet too. Do you guys remember that? Where like he was in a pile and they they blew the whistle and then he like started like trying to like rip his head off. Like a dude, yep. I'm not kidding. Drake yep. Law looked like he was trying to do something. They they knew what was going on. They they all knew the assignment. Um and it started with uh Fred Warner. I never seen him play this dirty. Like that 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 was super dirty. They he even said it himself. You look at the at the you know in the you know the NFL clips. Anybody gets on the sideline, what happens? Same one. Um, he dropped a – he hit a, a Cooper Cup, went over him. They called the taunting. It shouldn't have been taunting. It should have been, a, you know, a late hit. They, they, they were just – they were playing grimy. Yeah, I felt that way. Hey, Ruiz, why don't I bring you into the speakers so I can uh, – I can bring Shardall sure. back on. Uh, you guys forgot about Alex Mack. He did a really dirty play where he actually went and actually stepped on uh, Jordan Fuller's ankle that um week seventeen game. And I thought oh. it was an accident, but yeah, I I lost all respect for Alex Mack, and I was happy when he retired without his ring. But how you have, why do you have to stoop so low for your chances to win a game by literally breaking a, a, a safety's literally whole ankle just for you so, to win, man? That just pissed me off. And, so of course, there was no penalty. So you guys are talking about injuries, right, in football, like, you know, injuries. I remember, like, I watched The Karate Kid, number one. Remember the, the, the scene in where uh, Johnny Lawrence um, is facing Daniel LaRusso in the final fight when, the, you know, they're having that final fight in the end to determine the champion of the All-Valley Tournament or whatever like that? I've and actually Johnny, never seen Karate Kid. <laughs> <laughs> and he, and in the end, he there's a Daniel him are fighting, and then Daniel's like weak, like his 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 like I don't know his leg is weak or something, and then he seizes his leg, 
he deals a vicious out, like he like viciously attacks him, and then he like he can't walk. You know, he's limping off of that one leg, and then he he ends up like doing this like lunge or something like that towards yeah, like the person who's he's fighting. And then he kicks him, he executes a front kick, and then he kicks him, and then, like, he beats him in the end. So that shows that, you know, you shouldn't, like, if somebody has a, you know, if somebody's, like, weak on one in one area, do not, like, target them in that area. Because, like, you're going to end up injuring them or end up harming them. They're probably going to be out for the rest of the season. So, like, don't do that. Like, like you know, like, I don't agree in viciousness. I don't agree in being vicious to any player. Just, like, remove the vicious. Um, like, no, let me say this in a, in a better, in simpler terms. I don't like people being vicious towards another player. I don't like them injuring them, you know, hurting them. Just, I don't, I don't, I don't condone that type of violence. You know, I think I think they've really kind of made it almost impossible for defensive players to play defense in a lot of ways. Though, I, w- like I wish the- they could. Pro- I wish they could protect over the middle a lot more than they so- can today. But but everybody wants everybody wants the game to be very offensive. So I, I understand so all the rules you- have, have come that way. But so, Robert, um, so do you agree with me that you you as you as a person does not condone any kind of violent acts? Like you just don't like violence. Well, the, the sport, that's uh, the sport is violent. Yeah, but, it's but a, like, a, by but, by nature it's supposed to be violent. I don't really think there's any problem with during between the whistles, like when you're on the play. I don't think there's really any like, hey, you can't go after somebody because they have a soft spot. But I don't think it's okay to like stand over somebody after a play is over and try to step on their leg or something. But during the play, I, I think like if I think your ribs are, are 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 soft and you're going up for a catch, yeah, I think it's perfectly legitimate. I can't put my helmet into your ribs, but I'm going to hit you in the ribs and hope you drop the ball. And I think that's fair. No, but like it's, when it's, I, it's, that's yeah, when yeah I look, that's yeah. When I look at like sports in general. I mean, I don't like like violence, but I don't just don't want it to get gory because you know you know it can get <laughs> severely gory oh, if you it. watch it. You know you 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 can see sprained ankles on the on the on the field, ACL uh, tears on the yeah. field, MCL tears on the field. All these type of injuries they can happen. I just don't like them. Yeah, but most don't... most ACL uh, and and MCLs don't happen because of of an illegal hit. Most of them are, you know, planting your foot and. It twists differently, or, or goes the wrong way, or something. Most of those aren't because of, of some sort of vicious hit. Um, let me let me ask you a question, Jake, about the offensive line, though. Yeah. If they struggle, if they struggle, do you think they might go out and try to yes. get some? Okay. Yeah. Automatically. Not. Actually, I'm not saying they're going to. I'm not saying yeah. that's not what I'm hoping. I don't want to put it out there, but if they. Yeah. Do. No, I know what you mean. I, well, actually, I, I said yes because I thought you were going to say what I thought you were going to say, but you actually didn't. But I still say yes to your question. Uh, Whitworth would come back if there was a serious injury, 100%. Guaranteed. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I 100%. I don't have knowledge of that. I don't have inside knowledge. I, I do have inside knowledge about some things, but not that. Um, but I guarantee you if, if someone Bless major you. went down, regardless of Thank tackle you. or guard or center or whatever, Whitworth would come back because here's why. If it's Brian Allen, that means Coleman Shelton's going to be the center. Whitworth could come and plug the guard spot, right? 
Um, it, before you're like, wait a minute, why is Whitworth playing guard? First off, that's what older older tackles can transition to guard. First off, second, well, yeah, just to build on that, even like guys that come out of college, most of them are left tackles. Even the guards and stuff are usually left tackles in college. Well, or a good percentage of them. And then secondly, um, you know, the the Niner left tackle Trent Williams, when that whole thing, you know. He's going to get traded. Where's he going to go? And, you know, the Rams were interested. Whitworth had made a comment that he said he would, you know, literally play guard if it meant they got Trent Williams. Like he would move inside the guard. So he's already mentioned it. So my yeah. point is, regardless of who gets hurt, whether it's the center and, you know, Brian Allen, Coleman Shelton plugs in at center, you know, now Whitworth plays guard. If it's no boom, that's an easy transition. He goes to, to left tackle. If it's Havenstein, he comes in and maybe no boom goes to right tackle. Maybe he goes back to left tackle. If it's David Edwards, then he goes in at guard. Like, you see what I'm saying? So, yeah. uh, you know, I think that, like, if there's a serious injury uh, to one of the starting five, I think Whitworth 100% comes back. He may not come back right then and there, but I think he'll uh-huh. come back for the playoff run. So, so yeah. you think Whitworth could still play at a high level moving to guard? Oh, absolutely. The only reason he gave up a sack in the Super Bowl is because uh, Cam Akers blocked him. He, he was really good. I mean, like, like honestly, Andrew Whitworth right now, even retired, is still a top, at least top 10 tackle in football. Uh, according to PFF, he was top 10 for last year. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say I mean, he's top 10. And I'd make the argument Havenstein has, has a, a thing there. Um, you know, he was the third best right tackle according to PFF, and he was, I believe, in the top ten as well. So, you know, I, I'm a big believer in Nopum, though. Um, big fan of his. Yeah. You know, watched him at TCU. Being a KU Jayhawk fan, you know, I, I saw a lot of him. I saw a lot of TCU. <laughs> so um, he's good. You know, he mirrors well. He's very athletic. And I think he can be a bookend starter at left tackle. I think that's why they, they did end up paying him. Um, and, and, you know, don't worry about him not playing a lot, you know, during the contract, this is how the Rams do it. You know, they they like to slow play these guys and whether it's the most valuable way to get use out of them or not, does not matter. This is, they're not going to stray away from what works for them. This is essentially how, you know, their system works. And so, you know, in that case, I mean, I I like what they've done with the whole no boom thing and I, I really don't have any issue with it. But yeah, that would be cool if he came back, though. I know Kyle keeps unmuting himself, so I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, I I wanted to say uh, I'm excited to see how uh, the linebackers are with uh, another year for Jones and Bobby Wagner as far as, like, in coverage in the middle of the field versus, like, last year I noticed that, you know, that has been an issue from time to time, like especially like mentioning the 49ers with like Kittles getting open and killing us. So I'm hoping oh, yeah. that uh, that'll help solve that. No, I I agree with you, and I think it, it helps. You know, I think they're going to keep three linebackers on the field on on the uh, on the team, and I understand people aren't going to like that. But hear me out when I say, you know, you got Bobby Wagner, like you mentioned, you got Ernest Jones. You're gonna, probably going to keep Christian Roseboom since he didn't play preseason and is fully healthy. That's pretty much a telltale sign he's going to be a key, key contributor. So then it comes down to what? Jay Hummel, 
um, <clears throat> Jake Gervas, and uh, you also have Anthony Hines. I don't think any of them are going to make the team now. I'm a big believer in Jake Hummel, so hopefully they get him back on the practice squad. And I like, you know, the uh, the contributions and the development uh, that, you know, Jake Gervas has, has put out there because, you know, they moved him from safety to linebacker. Um, you know, so I'm excited about him. But I think the hope is that they're on the practice squad. But the reason they're only going to keep three linebackers and the reason they can is because they have a bunch of pseudos on the team. What I mean by that is they have some uh, safeties that can play linebacker. You know, even Quentin Lake, if he makes the roster, can play linebacker. Burgess can play linebacker. Uh, Taylor Rapp, Nick Scott, Jordan Fuller, they could all kick in at linebacker if they had to. So, you know, that's kind of why I think they're going to keep three because they have so many guys that can wear, you know, so many different hats. So, you know, in conclusion, like, I think that helps you with the numbers game. It allows you to kind of cut corners and be like, all right, well, we're going to keep three linebackers because essentially we have four or five in the secondary if we need them. Um, and, and that's a good, you know, versatility and, and just, uh, you know, being able to have guys that can fill different roles is a really big deal. And, uh, you know, sometimes you have to cut corners because they still, for whatever reason, they increase the amount of games played in the season, but they did not increase the roster. So you have to uh, pay the price because the NFL refuses to, you know, expand the roster and you have to cut corners in that sense. I wonder if that is the NFL or the Players Association that's that's more against increased players or both. Definitely the NFL because it would create okay. more jobs. So the Players Association would be all about the jobs. But wouldn't that also, though, you know, like at the, but it also lowers average salary, though, right? Because you have more players, same, same, uh, what's it called, same cap. But you still a think they would they little bit, but with the whole revenue sharing, like it, they could totally make it work. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I so. think it'd be a great idea. I mean, I I think that'd be especially because they're probably going to go to eighteen soon too. I would assume, and probably two preseasons and eighteen regular season games if the if the owners have their way. It should be maybe it should be like sixty, you know, or something like that. It should be your, you know. Yeah, I mean, I remember Leroy Irvin's like, why can't it just be 65? And I'm like, man, the more the merrier. Because yeah. isn't it, it so game day, it's not even 53, it's 48? Yeah, it's dumb. I hate that. I don't understand. I don't even I understand it why it's that. Dressed. They, they improved it to, it to 48, I guess. Uh. I love how they do that. It's like, you know. Awesome, but we there's still what five players that like can't dress, so they're like, you know, and then you have like the the old school people that are all for it, and they're like, yeah, but you know, it's the it's the element of strategy. It makes about as much sense <laughs> as the MLB not allowing you to have a forty man roster carried in the postseason. It makes zero sense. Like the idea, of, oh well, the strategy involved, dude. I don't care about the strategy. That's the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. Are yeah. you kidding me? The strategy is I found these guys. I developed these guys. They are on my team. There's the strategy. I deserve to be able to use them. I shouldn't be like yeah. limited to only playing a certain amount. It's stupid. Right. And then who's going to hold three quarterbacks? You know, that's, that's why a lot of the time you have a quarterback yeah. that is inactive. But that's BS because if both your quarterbacks get hurt, now you're starting a running back or a wide receiver right. or a punter at quarterback. Well, wasn't it the uh, the Denver game last year because of or the year before COVID where they didn't have a they didn't really have a real quarterback for one game they oh, played they like got, 
they got lucky they even had that guy because he was a former yeah. quarterback in college turned wide receiver. Yeah, but it was still pretty like, yeah, I mean, why would you even need to be in that? I mean, you should be able to have three guys, three quarters quarterbacks, you know. They should have postponed that game. That was ridiculous because Denver literally followed all of protocol. And uh, they, they made them trot out there and do that against the Saints. Um, meanwhile, the Ravens did not follow protocol. And they had the same thing. But because they and were it, clearly a better team and a contender, they got they to cancel their game twice. Yeah. I know Steeler so, fans were not a, not happy about that. I know. I, I several Steeler oh, they fans. they were furious about that. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember because the Steelers fans are like, wait, so – the Steelers aren't doing anything with COVID. They they haven't gotten anybody, you know, no one's had COVID on their team. They've followed all protocols and they're the ones that don't like they're, they're paying the price for this. What, what, you know, it, it, it is funny how that worked. But I was surprised too, because they're a pretty popular, popular team too. You wouldn't expect the NFL to do that to Dallas or Green Bay or the Steelers. I would think typically, but yeah, I thought that was crazy. All right. Well, Hey guys, I'm, uh, I'm going to call it a night. I appreciate you guys so much for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. Um, my whole day has been really content creating, so I'm going to take a little bit of a rest now, but, uh, we'll be, uh, probably back on tomorrow on here, definitely on YouTube, putting out more content. So really appreciate you guys. And, uh, if you don't already, you can follow me at JK Bogan on Twitter. And if you don't have uh, yourself subscribed to this show on Colin, be sure to do that. Never miss another Colin episode. Really appreciate you guys, Robert, Kyle, Ricky, Owen, Ruiz, uh, Shardal, everyone that um, you know tuned in and Thanks, uh, called in and participated. Jason, John, James, and plus four others. I don't know who you are because uh, it doesn't say, but uh, you know, appreciate everyone being in here. Um, it's awesome. I was just saying that. Uh... I love your channel. I love um, this uh, Colin. Um, I've never used Colin ever before, so this is my first time using this platform. Oh, awesome! Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm trying to get people to come on this platform more because I, you know, I have multiple. You know, I have the Ram and, Show, um, and then if anyone likes the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I have a, I was, a show I do on the MCU every Wednesday, nine thirty p.m. Eastern Time. So I was thinking of. Um, doing a Rams versus 40, uh, 49ers post-game show, um, bringing in you. I was thinking about doing it, you and Romelia, the um, the Rams YouTuber. Oh, nice. Yeah, so, if, if you want me to, to come on, I'll, I'll come on your show. You want to come on my show? Do you want to do a... Um, I mean, are you doing anything on... It's on October 3rd. Are you busy that day? Because that's a little way off in the, in the, in the year. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know when, I'm, when it's closer. But... Uh, yeah. But yeah, I'll yeah. Uh, I'll let you know. But again, thank you, everyone. I mean, uh, um, hey Jake, that would really be really quick. cool to um interview Jake on a show because I want my subscribers to blow. I have one seventy one. I bet I'm gonna have like near like nine hundred something plus subscribers if I have Jake on my channel. <laughs> I I I I, hey, I don't know about that. I appreciate the uh, you know your your appreciation <laughs> of me. It means a lot. Uh, Ruiz, what's up? Wait, what's the, what's your schedule on this with the with the whole Rams calling thing? Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to put together a schedule. It's been kind of up in the air because man, it's been like a whirl, uh, whirlwind since uh, you know training camp started. So um, all I have right now is the MCU show is 9:30 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. But uh, I do two Rams shows a week. I will let you know in advance on all social nice. media platforms. 
And uh, what I'll probably do is just keep connecting it to the YouTube live stream. Yeah. I think it'll get more people. So I don't have any, I don't have all the other social, I don't have social media. I just have YouTube and, and now this. Yeah. So, so that's what I'll do. But uh, guys, really appreciate you. Um, I'm out and uh, I'll see you guys soon. Yeah, have a good one. You too.